One of the profound things about being a human being is the ability to make a choice. Wouldn't you say so? When you look at all the animals in the animal kingdom and you know, when you get down some of that, some of their actions are so instinctual. Uh, and, and we get this cognitive ability, this rationality in our spirit and our soul and it is this ability to make a choice. We make choices in our lives. We make choices every day. Some of them are routine and in insignificant, and some are very, very important. There are choices like, what am I going to eat for lunch? Or what will I wear today? And then there are big, big decisions, big choices like, what am I going to do with my life? Or should I marry this person? big decisions, right? This is an act of free will that God has given to each person. And it's an attribute of man that separates him from all other created things such as the animals. And again, it's a characteristic that we exercise every day. Not a day goes by that we don't choose something. We're constant. In this day and age that we live in, my goodness, I don't even know if the choices are calculable anymore at this point. Unbelievable. I just saw the WWDC and the introduction of the new iPhone yesterday, and they were talking about the microchip in there that makes like a, does a trillion different things. And I'm going, what? How do they even know that, right? And, and probably we're on par with that in terms of the number of choices that we make. I submit to you tonight that there's a choice that is given to us as a human being that is the most important one of all, and that is this. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? The fact is you must decide something about Jesus. Each and every person must decide. You can either accept him and seek him in your life, or you can reject him, and some have said that a... a Decision not to make a decision is a decision in and of itself. So you can accept Jesus and his claims about himself and certainly the things that the Bible presents about him and follow him in your life, or you can reject. And that is, that is up to you. That is something that is up to each and every person. God did not create a world of human automatons or robots. He created mankind, and he gave us free will. So today, we're going to look at where did we get this, this, this choosing? Where did we get this ability to choose? Well, we got it from none other than God himself, who is a person who chooses, right? So just like you choose, just like you said, hey, you know what? Taco Bell sounds good today, or whatever it is. God chooses, and we learn this from the pages of Scripture. And all the way back in Scripture, we learn that God chose a man to create a nation out of him and chose a nation to bring forth his son into the world. Some pretty major choices. So God, there's, a, there's this major choice that God has made, and we're going to look at that and how that has played out in, in, in history, okay? So... God's choice. Let's pick this up in Romans chapter 9, where Paul is just continuing his, his, uh, 
his letter here to the church at Rome. He says this, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brothers, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Amen. Well, we're talking about God's choice, but here in the opening of chapter 9 of Romans, we're looking at what looks like Israel's choice. And what Israel's choice was seemed to be a rejection. It seemed to be a rejection of God. And so Paul opens up this portion of his letter by expressing how sorrowful he is about this choice that Israel has made. That, that here Israel was the chosen people, the chosen nation, the, 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 the nation that was to be a lighthouse to the, to the other nations, and here it is they had rejected Christ. They had not received him. And Paul is just sorrowful over Israel's rejection of Christ. Paul goes on to say here, he says, uh, well, first of all, look at that opening. He's like, I t he's like he, he goes to great lengths to tell you that what I'm about to tell you is the, is the truth. This is how I really feel. I am not just saying this. I'm not lying. In fact, the Holy Spirit bears witness of what I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. It's like he's just really kind of stacking it up here for us. What is, what is he not lying about? He's not lying about the great sorrow that he has and the continual grief that's in his heart because of Israel's choice to reject Christ. So then he goes to verse three, he says, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brothers, my countrymen, according to the flesh. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm so sorrowful about this choice of Israel, this rejection of Christ, that I wish that I could be cut off from Christ for them, for the nation of Israel. I'm so devastated. I'm so sorrowful. I'm so upset that I wish that I could be accursed. I wish I could be cut off for my brothers, cut off from Christ. Wow. And it's, it's amazing that here was Christ who was cut off for everyone. <laughs> right? Paul said it this way in Galatians that, that whoever hangs on a tree, the law says whoever hangs on a tree is accursed, and he became a curse for you. And here it is that Christ has been cut off for everyone, that whosoever will will come, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved, whosoever will come, come unto me, all you who are uh, heavy laden and are weary, and I will give you rest. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your nationality is, what your skin color, what your socioeconomic structure is, what, what, what anything is, whosoever will 
call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So Christ was cut off for everybody. Christ was a curse for everybody. Paul's saying, I wish I could be cut off for my brothers. It kind of echoes a little bit of Moses, where remember when, uh, you know, Moses had finally come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, with the law. And, uh, and what did they do? He had been gone for like 40 days, and they thought he wasn't coming back. They said, well, this guy brought us out of Egypt, brought us out here in the desert, then went up in the mountain and left us here. So what'd they do? They went back to their pagan religion. They gathered some things. They created a golden calf. They went back, right back into that pagan worship, the only thing they knew. And he comes down, and of course, he's angry with them, and God's angry. But then Moses says, no, wait a second. If you're going to be angry with them and just cut them off, then just cut me off too. Of course, you know, Moses hadn't worshipped the golden calf, right? But he's saying, look, cut me off for them. And that's where God says, hey, look, I have, I'll have mercy. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. Um, so Paul goes on to exp explain the tragedy of Israel's rejection of God, Israel's choice. What was the tragedy of it? Well, verse four, he says, the, the, I wish I could be cut off for my brothers, for my countrymen who are Israelites, to whom pertain, and then he lists all the things, all the benefits that Israel had. Like, there were, like, like this people were, were, were chosen by God, and then God just started just, just stacking stuff up and get, here's a blessing and here's blessing and here's blessing and here's blessing and here's blessing. Right. And what were the blessings? Adoption. To whom pertain adoption? In other words, sonship. Sonship. You could be a son of God. That was th this idea of sonship. And then he says the glory of God. What's that? Well, that's the, just the, the, the Shekinah glory that you see in the Old Testament, where you see the, what they, they, they called it the, the glory cloud, the cloud, the cloud of the presence. And they had this cloud, and it was the Shekinah glory of God. And every once in a while, I kind of walk around my house, and I, I'm, I'm hoping to run into the glory cloud. <laughs> I don't know about you. But just once, I'd like to be surprised and just walk into a fog <laughs> of the glory cloud. Amen? But Israel had it. They didn't have to wish for it. They had it. He goes on. He says, the covenants. The covenants. What was that? Well, they had the, the, they had the covenant that God made with Noah. They had the covenant that God made with Abraham. They had the covenant that God made with David. Right? So they had the covenants. Then he says the law. They were given the law. And that was given to Moses from the angels in the glory cloud with God. So some of this is just all overlapping and Neat stuff. 
the service of God and the promises of God. They had all of these blessings. They had all of these blessings. And I can only think about the blessings that we have here in the United States and why it would be equally as tragic as the rejection of Israel of Christ for an American to reject Christ. And having grown up in a nation that was founded up like, like no other nation, yes, there were problems and blah, 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 and we're not trying to get into all that. But if you look at the founding, founded on principles of, 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 of God's word, even down to the, the whole idea of separation of powers was taken from parts of scripture and the ideas of the different houses of government yeah. were all, and you can read, read all about all of these types of things. And then to grow up in a nation that had become, that, that became the greatest missionary sending yes. nation right. that has ever existed on the face of the earth. Yes. To be in a place that has churches that, that, that were pioneered and planted as the, as the expansion went across, the, you know, with manifest destiny, you know, across from sea to shining sea, right? Mm -hmm. And then to, and then just to say, well, no. Yeah. We just, and, th and that's the tragedy of it. And that's what Paul is lamenting here, this tragedy they had sonship, they had the glory of God, they had the covenants, they had the law, they had the service of God, they had the promises, they had done all that, but they had missed Christ. Look how Paul puts it. He says, of whom, verse five, of whom are the fathers and from whom according to the flesh. Well, you could say that that was another blessing, right? Of whom are the fathers, the patriarchs. In other words, a legacy. Here you have a legacy of people who were people of faith, who Abraham, who left his country and left his people, listened to God when he said, go unto a land, you don't know where it is, but I'm going to show you where, where it is when you get there. Right? And Isaac and Jacob who wrestled with God. And God touched his hip, his joint of his hip bone, and put it out of socket. And he, and, he, and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. So the fathers, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. So Christ came from this nation. You had all these blessings, and you have the word of God that actually foretold this whole thing, and then you missed you missed Jesus, you missed the Christ, you missed the anointed, you missed the eternally blessed God. Amen. Now this is, some say, Paul's clearest statement of the, the deity of Christ. Uh, and some have tried to say, well, no, it's not really that, and the, you know, uh, whatever. And look, when you look at this thing in the, in the original Greek, which I did today, <laughs> okay, the eternally blessed God, 
the eternally blessed Theos. That's who Christ is, the eternally blessed God. So if you want to try to figure out a way to interpret that in another way so that you can have your, you know, whatever, but this is the clear, uh, a clear Pauline declaration of the deity of Christ. So you have Israel's dec- uh, rejection of Christ, and, uh, and then you have the, the, where he gets into the choice of God, the choice of God. So let's pick it up, verse 6. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel, nor are they all children because they are seed of Abraham, but, quote, in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For it is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So you have really where he is talking about the rejection of Israel, Israel's choice, but then he goes back to, he goes back really before that to God's choice. Before Israel ever could reject, God chose from the beginning who would be his. Amen? If Israel is rejecting Christ, here's the question. So you're reading this, you're in the first century, you're sitting in the church at Rome, you came by, you know, from your, you got off your chariot as you came in off the Appian Way. How was the, how was the road out there? Good, good, good roads, huh? Good roads. Yeah, we know how to do it around here, don't we? We're the Romans. <laughs> oh. So you come in and you're listening, you're, 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 you know, Paul's making this point and you say, now wait a second. Wait a second. If, if God said in his word that Israel was chosen and that they were going to be blessed and they were the ones that were going to be saved and they were the ones that were going to be, well, then how could this be? How could it be that they've now rejected? So that's why he says in verse 6, he says, it's not that the word of God has taken no effect. He's actually, I love Paul, and I actually have grown to think like Paul. <laughs> to anticipate the, 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 the counter-argument, to, to, to anticipate where the reader's mind is going and to say, no, 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 I knew you were going to think that. And just before you, as you think it, let me tell you why. That's not the case, right? He says, it's not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they, and then he says, listen, he says, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. They are not all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but, quote, and he's quoting from Genesis, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Now, this is, you know, perhaps one of the, it's a very important point. 
<laughs> you know, it's so funny when you're teaching God's word and you come to an important point and you want to just say this is the most important point because it's the point that we're talking about right now. <laughs> Amen. And it's from the word of God, so it's very important. But I'm telling you right now, this could not be more of an important point to be understood because there's this idea that's prevalent that's out there that we're all children of God. Right. Yeah. That everybody's the child of God. It's true, and it's not true. It's true and not true. Well, how is it true? It's true from the sense that physically uh, everyone has come about because of the creation of God, because God created man, because God made Adam and Eve, and Adam was called the, a son of God, and they were told to, to procreate and you know, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, that everyone is kind of the offspring of God from that sense. And that's 100% true. In fact, in other places, Paul makes that argument, that counter-argument. But here, he's making a spiritual argument. He's not making the argument about being the physical seed of Israel. He's saying there's a distinction. He's saying that you can be the physical seed and not be of Israel because you're not a child of the promise. And this is how it works out. Remember when you had uh, Abraham, right? And, a and God came to Abraham and God said to him, he says, you're going to be, you're Abram, but you're no longer going to be Abram. You're going to be Abraham, a father of many nations. Okay. And he's like, that's great, God. <laughs> That is wonderful, but I don't even have a son. You know, right? And God says, no, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. And then, of course, he took matters into his own hands with the help of his wife. They both weren't thinking straight. And so we're going to help the Lord out with his promise. And then, of course, you had... Abram's handmaid, Hagar, and then you had Ishmael, right? So, and then later, like 13 years later, you have finally Sarah is pregnant and she has a, a boy. And, and then, of course, after that, then you had other children from from. from you know, that, that weren't that seed of the, of the promise. So to understand the New Testament, you really need to understand this point. Well, to understand the Old Testament. <laughs> to understand the old and understand the new, you, really this is a critical point because you had seed of Abraham, but all the seed of Abraham wasn't the seed of the promise. Okay? So you had... All this over here, but they weren't, they were called, and Paul really lays this out. He goes into greater detail of fully laying this argument out in Galatians. So if you read Galatians, he really breaks this whole thing down about the son of the promise, the son of the flesh. 
So you had Ishmael, who's the son of the flesh, and you have Isaac, who's the son of the promise. So really it becomes a typology of who is and who isn't the, the real seed of God. They're, they were both seed of Abraham, but look what, what, what God says to Abraham. I'm going to throw the verse up on the screen. This is what Paul quotes from in, in the text here. Genesis 21, verse 12. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of, the, of the, your bond woman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. And here it is. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. What, what is God saying here? He's saying the seed of what I'm going to do, the seed of Israel is going to be in Isaac. It is, is not going to be in, in this lad. Now, he later goes on and says, I'm going to make a great nation out of both of them. And this is one of those that if you want to do like just mental, biblical, theological gymnastics in your head, you can just try to really wrap your mind around this. And I did this really when I remember when I was in Israel and I was there at the Western Wall, right, which is the last remnants of the, the Western Wall of the temple mount there. And then up on the top of the, the wall is, is, you know, governed and controlled by the Muslims. And so you have the Al-Aqsa Mosque and you have the Dome of the Rock, which at that time we were able to go up there. And, and you really have this thing where you're just scratching your head and you're going, you got these guys that are probably sons of Ishmael somehow. And you got these guys over here that are sons of Isaac. And really, you could make a case where Paul would say, neither one of these has accepted Christ. And in that sense, spiritually, they're not sons of the promise. Although they could be. Right? So he says, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. But then it just doesn't stop there. Paul goes on and it says, now Rebecca had, a son, had two sons. Rebecca had twins, right? Or I'm, I'm, yeah, right? Yeah, Isaac and Rebecca had twins. Got to check my, got to make sure that I'm factually and biblically correct, right? <laughs> um, so Rebecca has, you know, her belly's getting big and it's like, whoa, man, this is a big baby. Well, no, it's not one baby. It's two babies in there. And they're just doing like wrestling matches in there, you know. They're just doing stuff and, you know, all this. Have you seen what babies do in there? They've got the video now where we can see and they're doing all this stuff and jumping around. Have you seen these videos? It's wild. No, no, you felt it. I know, all the women are like, we don't need to see it. We don't need to see that video. We know what's going on in there. But there were two of these guys in there doing that. And that's when the word of the Lord came to, came to Rebecca and said, you have two, two guys in there, and the older one will serve the younger, God says. For, for Jacob I have loved. Let's, let's go back to the text here. As it is written, verse 13, Jacob I have loved, but Esau 
I have hated. I sent this, I sent this text to my son one day, Romans 9.13. I just sent him a text. Jacob, I have loved. <laughs> and so God is kind of, just as he chose the son of the promise, as he chose Isaac, God's also saying, look, I chose Jacob too over Esau. I, I chose to, to, to use Jacob. I chose to, to go with Jacob. And this verse bothers people, doesn't it? But Jacob I have, lo- Jacob I have loved, but Esau I hated. Now, wait a second. I thought God was love. How could he say we don't understand this in, in our times, in our culture, okay? There, 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 is, there is a principle. Hatred in, the, in this sense is not an absolute or outright hatred, but relative to a higher choice. And there are examples of this. One of the examples of this is what Jesus said. And I'm going to throw the verse up on the screen. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now you just say, well, well, I don't even understand this at this point. What? Okay, because we don't understand this principle. We don't understand this kind of euphemism in our culture. And it is a euphemism of, of presenting a higher choice, a higher choice. It is not as to say, certainly God would never say, the, the God who says, husbands love your wives, as Christ loved the church, is not saying, hate your wife. Okay, he's not some type of a schizophrenic, you know, uh, confused person. Okay, although some would like to charge him uh, as such. He's it's 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 a presenta- it's a presentation of a higher choice. It is to say, I I chose Jacob. I chose Jacob. And when you look at what these, and if you just look at the choice of Jacob over Esau. Now, God, God knew before they were born what they were going to do, what they were going to, how things were going to play out. And God chose uh, Jacob knowing in advance that he would sell off his birthright. Right? Remember, we talked about this in, in our Genesis series. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, okay, so he comes in from hunting. He's a man of the field. He's a man of the deer and the venison and all that, right? Or whatever it was. So he's coming in and he's hungry and he's famished and he wants something to eat and he's going to sell his birthright, his position in the family for like a pot of chili, <laughs> Hebrew chili. Right? This is that, 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 that never made sense to me at any time. As a kid, 
growing up in Sunday, that never, I never could understand that or accept that. That, that. Who would do that? No one. I mean, you can go without a meal. Come on. Fasting is now a thing now. People love to fast, not for spiritual reasons, but for just, I fast. Right? Come to find out that he had, if you, if the book of Jasher is historically accurate, which it actually is appealed to the accuracy of it by Joshua in Joshua chapter 10, not for, author, not for inspiration or, or, or authoritative scripture, but for historical accuracy. The story was that Esau had killed Nimrod and had come in from the battle and realized that his life was basically over, that they would hunt him down and kill him. And so a pot of bowl of stew was actually, in that sense, probably more valuable. Yeah, go, go ahead and give me the stew because by this time tomorrow, there'll be a bullet in my back <laughs> or a spear in my back, not a bullet at that time, Right? Because it was the wild east, not the wild, wild west. That was the wild east. <clears throat> so he realized, God realizing that, that, that this would all play out like this. And that Jacob would ultimately wrestle with him and, and serve him and worship him. And so then Jacob becomes... The, the one that, that fathers the 12 sons, the 12 that become the 12 tribes, that become the nation, right? So this is God's choice, God's choice. So God has a choice, and then man has a choice, and man's choice doesn't negate God's choice because God has chosen from the beginning. He, he knew he knew exactly who would be the physical, his physical offspring and who would actually be his spiritual seed. Now, let me say that again. That's, that's, you need to wrap your mind. He knew from the beginning who would be his physical offspring and who would be his spiritual seed. And what Paul is arguing here is there's a difference. How did he say it? Not all of Israel is Israel. Not all those that are in the nation are that those children of the promise. Okay, let's drive it home and then we'll move on to the last point. Because we got to hurry. Oh my goodness, we lost time. Where did the time go? Look at this nation. We have a nation of people and there's a lot of people that would say, oh, I'm a Christian. There's a lot of people that would even go to a service once, twice, or a month. Maybe even more regular than that because it's kind of a, you know, kind of fun. Certain places, you know. But at the end of the day, okay, Keith Green put it this way. <laughs> Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger, okay? What makes you a Christian is being a child of the promise. 
There's a difference between a, a, a Christian, like a, in that kind of Americanized, like we're, we're Christians, I'm an American, I'm a Christian. And I'm a follower of Christ. I've given my, I've pledged my life. I've pledged my, 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 my fortune, my, my existence, my legacy. I've, I've pledged everything and my allegiance to Jesus Christ. And I've, and I've get, I put all my trust and I have all my hope and I have my, my eternal stake in the ground upon the fact that Jesus is God, that he is Yahweh God come in the flesh, that he took his, our sins upon him, that he went to the cross, that he hung and died, he was buried, and uh, rose again on the third day, and I placed all my trust and my allegiance to that man, that person, and that kingdom. Amen. And that's what it means to be a child of the promise. And going to a service and going to whatever and doing whatever is the same as saying, oh, I'm of the tribe of Simeon. Yep. I'm of the tribe of Simeon. What tribe are you on? Oh, yeah, Simeon. Simeon's cool. Reuben. Reuben. He was the firstborn. He was the coolest of them all. In fact, his name, Behold a Man, right? It, no. <laughs> It's, it, and, and, and we have that same tribalism now. We have that same tribalism. I'm of this tribe, this cool tribe, and I'm of this cool tribe. And, and Paul would say it this way. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one church. Jesus isn't coming back for the, just the Calvary Chapel people or just the Hillsong people or the just the Lutherans or the Methodists or whoever thinks they're doing it right. He's coming back for those who are the true children of his promise. Amen? Amen? And that's, a, and that's some good teaching right there. And that's some good, solid, biblical exegesis. Amen? And that's what it's about. So let's finish this up. And say, I thought that was the wrap-up. <laughs> Should we just wrap it up there and come back? Is that good? That's probably good. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that was good. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for everything. Lord, I pray for each heart here. And each part, each heart of every person that comes through these doors, Lord, hears this word, that hears your spirit calling. Lord, I pray that we would call upon your name, that we would be those people, those children of your promise. Lord, that we would know that we are identified as such. Lord, we would, we would make that profession of faith on a daily basis, God, that that would be the, the confession of our life that we're your people, that we're of your kingdom, that we're of your family. Lord, that you're our God, that you're our Savior, that you're our Lord. And Lord, we are your people and your children and children of this promise, God, that you have made. And Lord, let that be our reason. Let that be our reason. 